It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts or simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. And today is Crossover Wednesday. I got Chris Russell coming up in just a second, so we'll get to that. But first, I do have to talk about a little bit of news. The Vikings released Marcus Sherrill. I didn't talk about it in any of the Lions game recaps, but uh, he was a healthy scratch. He was inactive for the Lions game, and Mike Hughes took the punts. Uh, I think that that's kind of a declaration that they're ready to have Mike Hughes take those punts and, and kind of be that, that returner like he was at UCF, and uh, I think that is the end of quite an era for Marcus Sherrill's. Uh, we, we talked about it a lot when he signed originally with the Saints. If you want a nostalgia trip, go back and listen to that episode from, like, March Elsewhere in the league, the trade winds are, are kind of blowing, and I wanted to kind of touch on it uh, real fast. Emmanuel Sanders, of course, went to the 49ers. Uh, Quandre Diggs went from the Lions to the Seahawks, so, you know, not the Diggs trade that we were all worried about. Uh, but I, I wanted to just touch on it because I don't think that the Vikings are going to make a trade. You know, their cap situation makes all kinds of trades more complicated. It means you can't just, you know, shell out a draft pick and acquire a player you need because you got to find a way to pay that player. And oftentimes you got to find a way to pay that player, you know, f- throughout multiple years and like the next couple of years are also difficult. So there's a lot of like complex salary cap issues that are going to kind of put a damper on whatever the trade configuration is. Um, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd leave the phone on, you know, keep an open mind. But I also think that the Vikings are fairly satisfied with their roster at the moment. I mean, they're bouncing a couple guys up and down from the practice squad. They always kind of do that as a way of creating de facto extra roster spots. Um, but I think that they're relatively satisfied with their roster. They're not going to go shopping pr- right now at, at the trade deadline. Of course, if something happens, we'll talk about it and I'll take my L. And the last thing that I want to mention before we get into the Crossover Wednesday interview is uh, the injury report where the, the Vikings actually practiced today as their only practice of the week before while they uh, prepare for the short week, the Thursday night game. Uh, and everybody was a full participant except for, of course, Adam Thielen. Mike Zimmer did say in a presser that Adam Thielen had a chance to play. Personally, I do not believe him. I think that that's something that a coach would say heading into a game to potentially, I mean, if it has a, a, a 1% chance to throw off your opponent, it's worth lying in the press conference, right? Uh, but the MRI reporting and all of the indicators say that Adam Thielen won't play, but everybody else, including Griffin and Linval Joseph, who, who were de facto DNPs in the fake Monday injury report, actually did participate in the full walkthrough. Uh, it, it is more of a walkthrough in this particular practice. They didn't go full go. There's some strategy to that. Maybe I'll talk about it another day. Uh, but this was a, a you know non-padded practice, just a walkthrough. So it's a little bit easy for, easier for injured players to participate. Uh, but, you know, if you look over at the other side, there are a whole bunch of DNPs on, on the Washington side. So I would imagine that it does mean something. And at this particular juncture, I'd say that Joseph and Griffin are more likely than not to get in there and play. And they'll just have to be playing through an injury. Thielen is trying to work his way back, and he talked about how, like, he really, really wants to, but I don't know, I, I don't think the team's going to push it, and ultimately, unfortunately, it's it's not up to Adam Thielen. So, with all that out of the way, let us move on to Crossover Wednesday with Chris Russell. Chris, how's it going? Go Nats! <laughs> well, it was, a big, it was a big win, Luke. Thank you um, for uh, doing this with me. Um, yeah, it was a big World Series Game 1 win for uh, Washington, and I would say this, that 
The Redskins are just lucky that this game is on Thursday night football against the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins because the Nats don't play on Thursday night. So that's the only reason why anybody would actually watch the Redskins and pay attention to the Redskins. <laughs> See, now here I thought you would maybe want a game to be on so it could distract it. So everybody could just like <laughs> miss this debacle that's about to happen. Well, listen, um, around here, I, I think most Redskins fans are rooting for your scenario that unfortunately uh, for them is not going to happen in terms of something else to distract them. But I'm rooting quite honestly, if I could just say this, uh, not that I'm rooting against the Redskins, but Kirk Cousins is my guy, and I love Kirk Cousins, so I, I want to see him do well. I've been one of the uh, the leaders of the Kirk Cousins uh, bandwagon fan club, whatever, since he was drafted here. I mean, I've known him for seven years. I covered him for a long time. I got to know him. I've uh, been around him a lot, so you know, I'm kind of ho hoping my guy proves Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder wrong, uh, and maybe somehow the Redskins don't embarrass themselves. How about that? I would I would love it if uh, Kirk had another lights out game, but there's like a, a familiarity going the other way, too, because we in Minnesota, like all of us, we all love Case Keenum and we we've rooted for him uh, when he was in Denver and we're rooting for him over there. We want him to look good and go make a, another contract somewhere else and finesse this league for the money he deserves for the season right. he gave us. Um, but I, I he, let's start on uh, that side of the ball uh, with with Washington on offense. And I think my main question about about your team is because, like, I, I was just looking up to see kind of, OK, what's going on here? You know, it's like 25th in offensive DVOA and 29th in defensive DVOA or something like that. And one in five or one in six and just like this, <coughs> this really disastrous team. But going player by player, it's hard to identify, like where the problem area is. You know, the offensive line seems below average, but not bad. The coverage, Josh Norman has struggled, but Quentin Dunbar's having an excellent season, and Jimmy Moreland looks promising. And, you know, the pass rush has, like, Ryan Kerrigan and Jonathan Allen. Like, where is the issue? And, and we'll start with, uh, you know, Case Keenum in the offense. Where is the issue here? Like, what is, Terry McLaurin looks phenomenal. Like, what's going on? I, I really can't crack this nut. Yeah, I, and, and sorry for coughing like a maniac through your question. Um, uh, I apologize about that. Um, so, so here's the the long short answer. It it starts with Case, right? Um, Case is a good guy. He's a smart guy. He's an intelligent guy, as you mentioned. You guys with the Minnesota Vikings, fond of him. He led the team to the NFC Championship just you know almost two years ago now. He's everything that ideally you would want from a person person at the quarterback position. The problem is, is he hadn't played well since week one against the Philadelphia Eagles, a game that the Redskins could have won, should have won. And if he would have hit a second bomb touchdown, which was there and wide open to Terry McLaurin, who you just mentioned as well, the Redskins could have, and again, should have won that game. Since then, it's really been all downhill. And when you ask Case Keenum, to be something that he's not, and that is to basically rescue you from, you know, a, a spotty offensive line, a running game that wasn't clicking for many reasons early on in the season before Jay Gruden was fired, and then to have no tight ends and really, again, only one receiver, maybe two, that you can count on. That's a lot. So it starts with Case. He hasn't been good enough, even though his touchdown to interception ratio has been pretty good. Um, he hasn't been accurate, Luke. So I, the Redskins are going to need him to be more accurate. And I think they need to 
continuously try and work on the short to intermediate passing game, which under Jay Gruden, it was long to medium, and then everything else was checked down central. Uh, I think in order to accentuate Case Keenum and what he can do well, yes, he can make every throw, but I think you need to shorten it up a lot more screens, wide receiver screens, natural running back screens, that type of thing. And then hopefully they get the running game going, which they have been able to do the last two weeks. But Adrian Peterson is banged up and dealing with a couple of different types of ankle sprains. And Chris Thompson is not going to be making the trip for the Washington Redskins. So that's going to hurt them both as a run game and in the screen game. Hey guys, back with Chris in just a second. Peloton is offering a limited time offer though. Get $100 off of accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. I also want to talk to you about Blue Chew. Fellas, you got to take your relationship seriously. And that means putting in the work and accepting when you could use a little bit of help. And that's what Blue Chew is for. It's the first chewable tablet of its kind. It has the same active ingredients as like Viagra and Cialis, so you know exactly what we're getting into here, but it's a chewable, so it kicks in twice as fast. Blue Chew is made right here in the United States, and it ships directly to your door, so you can skip the pharmacy and the lines and the waiting, and it ships in a nice discreet package, so there's no awkwardness. And skipping all those steps makes it a little bit cheaper as well. And listen, Blue Chew isn't just for like men of a certain age who, you know, can't perform the way they used to in their prime. This is for anybody who's just looking to improve themselves, and who can say no to that. So go to bluechew.com right now. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com right now and enter promo code LOCKED to try it for free. That's bluechew.com. Enter promo code LOCKED to try it for free. I also want to talk to you a little bit about gambling. MyBookie is the number one online sports book out there. It has everything from horse race bets to UFC fights to, yes, NFL bets from spreads, over-unders, props, and everything in between. I personally really like their website. I've found it like really easy to just go in, find exactly the bet that I want to make, place my wager. It pays out immediately as the result is turned in, so there's no waiting around. There's no sketchy, funny business. And honestly, it has really helped me enjoy this NFL season a lot more than, than previously, a lot more than even like fantasy football, although they do have player props if you are the DFS sort of degenerate. But where I maybe wouldn't have cared about a Patriots-Giants Thursday night football game where it wasn't even Eli versus Brady, you know, the rematch, uh, I actually cared because I had the over and it gave me a reason to watch and enjoy it. And it raises the stakes, you know, make you sweat a little. So go to mybookie.ag and enter promo code Locked On, and they will double your first deposit. That is mybookie.ag, promo code Locked On. Yeah, so it, it, against both the run and the screen, both the Vikings linebackers, barring Kendricks, have been lights out. And uh, Eric Kendricks specifically has had an all-pro season so far. He leads all linebackers in uh, run stops and pass breakups, and I believe he's tied for the lead amongst all linebackers in pressures. He's having this like unbelievably productive season, and a lot of it is just like sniffing out those screens and kind of you know being a force uh, against the run. So if it comes down to getting the run game going with, you know, banged up Adrian Peterson, we're fairly familiar with such a phenomenon. Um, You know, I would I I would say that if it comes down to, you know, we need Eric Kendricks to fail, like I I, don't my money wouldn't go there. Um, But, you know, if it comes down to quick passing and getting the ball out, that could. Sorry, what? getting the ball out that could neutralize you know everson griffin and daniel hunter who right. are both i think in in the top five in terms of of pressure generated 
Yeah, and I didn't mean to jump in on you. I, I was I just got excited when you started listing all of these weapons, which is why I don't know if the Redskins are going to be able to run the ball. I don't know if they're going to be able to screen game the Minnesota Vikings. Again, even even if they had Chris Thompson going against the weapons and the athletes that you guys have in the front seven. So I wonder if the Redskins are going to try and stretch this Viking defense vertically because they feel like they're not going to be able to have success running the ball and doing the things that we just talked about against this core and this front seven of the Minnesota Vikings. That's what I'm kind of curious about from a matchup and a philosophy standpoint, because that's opposite of what Bill Callahan, the interim head coach has wanted to do in his career and the first two games as a head coach. I wonder if they try and counter it and attack whatever they perceive to be the weakness of the Vikings. And perhaps that weakness that they perceive is more in the secondary as opposed to the front seven. Yeah, teams have been afraid of doing that. And I think it's because of the edge rushers, because of, you know, Griffin and Hunter have, you know, dissuaded that you just can't take a seven step drop uh, the way that they're like just chewing up tackles. But Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes both had real bad games against the Lions that they're coming off of. And now they're in a short week and they have uh, Rhodes specifically has not really been up to the level that we're like used to seeing Xavier Rhodes play. And Trey Waynes has always been, you know, a cornerback who's a fine, you know, second cornerback, a fine CB2. But he has never really been like a lockdown, you know, shutdown guy. So if you wanted to try to go deep and, and the Lions kind of did that and they went, you know, they put up 30 like trying to go deep and they did get a couple of deep bombs on the Vikings. Um, I, I think that that's probably the best thing, but teams have been really afraid to do it because I don't think that they think that they have time for those to develop. So, and, and especially with like Bill Callahan's like coaching philosophy, as we are familiar with it, like, I wonder if they're going to do the thing that is probably the only chance that they have in this game. Cause I don't think you can beat the Vikings four yards at a time. In fact, the Vikings kind of designed their defense to like lure you into taking, you know, a three yard check down and, and feeling like you did the play well. And then suddenly it brings up a third and six where they can stop you. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I mean, clearly, here's here's another thing that's really going to affect the Redskins is never mind the noise at U.S. Bank Stadium where, you know, they haven't played at that particular stadium. Uh, it's always loud, Minnesota, but even louder uh, now with the new digs. Um, the Redskins offensive line, Luke, have been absolutely dreadful in terms of taking penalties, false starts holding i mean this is going to be a yellow flag affair and party and it's probably all going to go against the washington redskins or mostly going to go against the washington redskins on the offensive line from the center on out chase rulier brandon sheriff morgan moses it has just been a disaster and donald penn is going to have to probably deal most of the game with everson griffin um, you know, so that not going to be an easy matchup there. Uh, again, I'll be real curious to see if they can't run the football, which I know th they're going to try and do that early on. If they can't shorten up the passing game, screen, little picks, rubs, that type of, you know, wide receiver. They try and run these little gadget plays with this Steven Sims Jr. guy, uh, you know, a little shovel pad. If they can't get that go going, they're going to just have to take some chances either at a gun or, like you said, on those seven-step jobs. Because otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to go three and out, and Kirk and Dalvin Cook are going to eat you alive. 
Yeah, and, and the Vikings' defense is, like, not without its own penalty problems. The defense has been, like, uncharacteristically of a Mike Zimmer defense. They've been racking up defensive holds and even defensive holds on the defensive line. They had two of those last week. Uh, and, you know, illegal contact penalties and pass interference penalties and stuff. They've been, it's been kind of a flag fest up north here, too. So it, it might be one of those, like, excruciating Thursday night games that everybody complains about on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, let's move to the to the other side of the ball here, uh, and and let's talk a little bit about your defense because I kind of have the same question. It's like really right. poor in DVOA, but I would expect the pass rush to be pretty well. It seems like they're generating a reasonable amount of pressure. It mm-hmm. seems like you know in coverage outside of Josh Norman, who it looks like he probably isn't going to play in this one. Um, and Adam Thielen definitely won't play, at least in my opinion. I, I know Mike Zimmer has been a tease about it, but it seems pretty likely that he won't even, uh, you know, be uh, be in pads. So, uh, you know, what do you, what are your expectations of, of this defense against an offense that's hot right now, but is certainly yep. like streaky? And I think you're familiar with that plenty with like Kirk Cousins. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I guess I would say this when the Redskins defense is firing on all cylinders, And they did put plenty of pressure and do a pretty good job against uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and a 49er offensive line that quite honestly was missing its two offensive tackles. So that was part of the reason why they had the kind of success, pressures, hurries, uh, and and, and all that stuff against Jimmy Garoppolo. But they also did a pretty good job against Josh Rosen and the Miami Dolphins. And again, we all understand what, what that's about. This defense was built to be a top 10 defense. They've just failed in so many ways. You mentioned Josh Norman. He was he's been dreadful in coverage. Uh, they've had key injuries. They're young at inside linebacker at one of the two inside linebacker spots. They haven't gotten enough from Montez Sweat. Uh, their first round, their second first round rookie uh, Kerrigan is just starting to come around. And usually, from when Kerrigan plays the way he has. Basically, the last two games, Kerrigan's starting to feel himself a little bit. So I would be worried about that from a Minnesota uh, perspective. But the one thing that I would just say is their third down defense, it's gotten better over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Again, they played some poor offenses. But their third down defense at one point, Luke, was 64% allowed. And that was like four weeks into the season. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, just dreadful. So, and, and even against the San Francisco 49ers, you know, they were a little bit better, but they were, the, San Francisco converted seven or eight, and, and we're not talking third and one, third and two. We're talking third and seven, third and eight, third and nines, and they could have had a couple more if you go back and watch the tape of the game. Uh, one, they missed on a penalty, so on and so forth. Um, so just to keep this kind of short to some degree, I would say – if the Minnesota Vikings can get themselves even in third and four, third and five, third and six, they are going to have a lot of success against this Washington Redskins defense, especially, as you mentioned, on a short week, especially, as you mentioned, Josh Norman, unlikely to play. I don't want to rule him out just yet, but unlikely to play dealing with multiple injuries. And quite honestly, the Redskins, you know, <laughs> Quentin Dunbar is their best corner. Uh, but the problem is, is everything else besides Landon Collins is broken on the back end too. Monte Nicholson's a little bit banged up. Fabian Moreau hasn't been very good early this year. Uh, and, and, and that's where Kirk Cousins, I think even without Thielen, can really get to work. I mean, clearly Diggs will be the number one option. 
but I think that's where he can get to work on some of those other cornerback and defensive back matchups of the Redskins defense. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network in this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time. I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Yeah, this is where I think the most interesting matchup is of the game is just because, you know, if if you say Quentin Dunbar's a good corner, and I think this year he's absolutely had like he's been having a great year. He's like three right. interceptions, great PFF grade. Uh, and and the Vikings only really have digs. And then this huge drop off to the next guy, which is Ola B.C. Johnson. He's a seventh round rookie. Right. Uh, and then I guess the two tight ends, Kyle Rudolph, who hasn't been having much of a year at all. He's been mostly a blocker this year. They've been using a lot of Max Protect to kind of help out the offensive line. And Irv Smith, who's also a rookie. I mean, the weapons after Diggs have like are they're just littered with question marks. So even a broken back end might have like a better chance against them than you might think. And I think the most interesting matchup to me is that that you know the Vikings skill players versus the back end uh, of of Washington. So. I, I really like am excited to kind of look into that and see how like Irv Smith does and BC Johnson does. But getting into like you mentioned, getting into that third and fourth, third and five might just come down to the run game. And the Vikings run game has been really, really explosive. I've been doing a project uh, where I've tracked every explosive run and touchdown that they've gotten over the year and like looked at the film of all of it. That's it's pinned to my Twitter feed. Um, and the kind of the running theme is that the the run blocking, even from guys who are pretty maligned, like Pat Elfline, the left guard, Garrett Bradbury, the rookie center who's been up and down, uh, their run blocking has been really, really solid on these plays. And then it gets Dalvin Cook, who's been unbelievably explosive and super elusive, and that he's like created runs that shouldn't be there, that he has no right. He's getting yards he has no right to get. Uh, and so I, I wonder if like getting to that, you know, third and manageable situation, if they just go run, run and then pass on an ailing secondary for a third down. And maybe that's the game plan here. And you just kind of say, all right, we're going to just play these guys straight up because, you know, pound for pound, they can't outmatch us. Do you think that that's a plan that like can work against you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Because here, here's another problem. This defense is often on the field for far, far, far too long. So if you pound them a little bit and soften them up in the first quarter, quarter and a half, the Redskins might have some success bottling up Dalvin Cook. But eventually they're going to get creased, not only with the run, but also in the screen game, as we kind of talked about what the Redskins might want to do. But I really like your point, especially with Thielen. Again, probably not being able to play this game. Certainly, Stefan Diggs, I'm sure, will draw Quentin Dunbar, and that'll be a really good matchup. I really like your point about 
not only one tight end, but both tight ends hurting the Washington Redskins uh, in this game. I think this will probably be, um, I don't want to call it a breakout game, but this will probably be one of those games where you see a lot of, not only Rudolph, but I agree with you, Irv Smith, because the Redskins are good at taking out and isolating like one guy that could probably kill them. The problem is, is everybody else. And they've been historically bad. Over the years, many, many years now, covering and tracking tight ends. And we're not even talking about, you know, gazelle-like tight ends. We're talking about sometimes dinosaur-like tight ends, uh, like the Cowboys have had even when Jason Witten was not involved. And that's been a problem for this Redskins defense. I think a guy you can pick on in coverage is rookie linebacker Cole Holcomb. I think uh, Landon Collins, even though he's a ferocious hitter and he won uh, NFC Defensive Player of the Week a week ago, he is not great in coverage. Monte Nicholson, if he even plays, is banged up. They're short another safety. So Troy Apke, who had an interception last week, is going to have to play a lot. He's really still developing as a free safety. So to me, the opportunities for Kirk, especially in the red zone, are absolutely going to be there to the tight ends. So that brings me to kind of the, a question that I've been trying to ask everybody. And it's that, so the Vikings use an abnormal so two running backs or two tight ends and they don't use the classic three wide receiver personnel so much so that they're kind of basically saying all right everybody's invest invested in their slot corners we're gonna put them in a base package so that their slot corners stay off the field you know get rid of the chris harris's of right so for you guys what is the strategy when you see two tight ends or or two running backs you know some people will keep a third linebacker some people keep a third safety that's how the eagles did it uh, you know, some people will just stay in their nickel package because their slot corner is good enough to like handle those tight ends. What what does Washington do? Yeah, so uh, because they're so banged up at safety, at times this year they rolled with the three safety package and walked somebody down on the line of scrimmage to kind of cover what you're talking about. Again, they don't have a. Uh, you know, John Bostic is the guy that they generally trust the most, an inside linebacker who's been around the league, former second-round pick, who's played well since coming here after the Reuben Foster injury. They've trusted him uh, in a lot of man coverage-type uh, situations up the seam. Uh, but again, I wouldn't expect to see many three-safety looks in this game because they're so thin. I uh, mentioned Monte Nicholson's banged up. It's a possibility that he doesn't play. They're missing DeShazer Everett. I mentioned Troy Apke. I'm not sure how many three-safety looks. So I I would expect Bostic to be in a lot of man, man coverage, especially against a guy like Rudolph uh, in this particular spot. Um, and if you're if you're running that 12 personnel uh, with the two tight ends, you know, I, I mean, to me, you're not going to be able to man up on everyone. Right. So you're going to have to zone up on somebody. And that's where the Redskins, I think if the Vikings are creative and if they can find a way to isolate Cole Holcomb, the rookie linebacker, fifth-round pick out of North Carolina, who's speedy and athletic but is kind of smallish, and Montez Sweat and or Ryan Anderson on the same side of the field. If you can find those that matchup, that's what you want to attack, whether it be with, again, um, Kyle Rudolph or even with Irv Smith. That's what you want to attack because I don't think the Redskins are going to be able to have all of the answers uh, out of that two-tight end look that you were just talking about. So something we saw last week was Detroit's uh, pass rush really fell apart 
And it let Kirk Cousins, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, you know, Kirk Cousins basically could just stand there forever and deal. And when you don't put Kirk Cousins under pressure, bad things are going to happen to you. He's kind of the, the type of quarterback that you really have to pressure to, you know, really get him to start making those mistakes. So, you know, pass rush wise, how do you feel about, you know, the Vikings have uh, Brian O'Neill, the right tackle is playing at a Pro Bowl level, in my opinion. Josh Klein, the right guard is playing fine. I think the uh, left tackle, Riley Reef, is playing fine. They've had a couple of issues with Bradbury and Elfline in pass protection. I think those are the weak spots. So if you have a good like nose tackle or a good three technique tackle that can penetrate, you know, like uh, Fletcher Cox or Akeem Hicks really got or he didn't play. Uh, but Grady Jarrett, that's what I'm thinking of. Grady Jarrett yep. got the better of us. Um, you know, how do you feel about the, that kind of front pass rush and getting pressure on Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I think what you're talking about is Deron Payne collapsing the pocket over Bradbury on, uh, you know, either side, either part of the A-gap, you know, that type of thing. And then Jonathan Allen maybe on a stunt. Uh, Matt Ioannidis is another guy that, again, uh, doesn't scare you just when you look at him, but he's just a plugger, a worker. He's got some good speed, uh, you know, for a near 300-pound guy. Uh, they're, this is a good defensive line for the Washington Redskins when it's healthy. Uh, they're not deep because of injury uh, to a couple of other guys, but they, they're a good defensive line. Now, I don't know how effective they'll be in the third and fourth quarter. Again, uh, if, if, if they're getting pounded on with the run game and they're having a chase, uh, you know, but, but I expect them to show up in the first quarter, quarter and a half, maybe the first half, and make Kirk's night a, a little bit more difficult. Um, the question that I would have is, you know, are they going to blitz really at all? And especially on those third down or those ideal blitz type situations, you know, I, I, I kind of like, you know, second and nine, I'm going to throw a little bit uh, more of an exotic look. I don't think the Redskins are going to cook up a lot of those schemes uh, because A, they know Kirk Cousins well, and they know that if, again, it gets picked up, and you mentioned some of the good play the Vikings have gotten on the on the perimeter edges of their offensive line, they know they can't cover. They know they're going to get exposed. They know they're going to get burnt. So I would expect the Redskins to try and rush three on third and eight plus, uh, drop eight on, on first and second downs. Um, you know, in passing situations, I would probably only expect them to try and get that natural pass rush with the four guys and very rarely blitz because I think they think if they blitz, they're going to get exposed and exposed badly. Man, if it were, if it were me knowing what I know about the Vikings, I would definitely blitz to, you know, try to hide the coverage, try to help the coverage, you know, make it so they have to cover for less time. But maybe that's why I'm not Bill Callahan. Uh, well, you, you know, I, your point makes sense. Uh, and, and Greg Minuski, trust me, the defensive coordinator has been under a lot of heat for not doing exactly what you just mentioned. The problem is, is they don't have, you know, they didn't have confidence in Josh Norman when he was healthy. And they certainly don't have confidence right now, being that he's out of the lineup, or at least he was last Sunday, and he could be, and even if he is playing this third. And then again, a rookie in Jimmy Moreland, uh, a guy who's struggling in Fabian Moreau, a lot of holding penalties, uh, the merry-go-round at safety. They just, they feel like, okay, our best shot is we have to win with four. And that does make sense, especially against a veteran quarterback. But I also get the flip side of it is, okay, if you're not getting home with four and you're not winning, you got to fire some missiles. And they've just been unwilling to do that 
uh, outside of probably the Miami game, and they weren't scared at all about Josh Rosen and that Miami offense, and that's why I think they did it. I think they're petrified about Kirk Cousins, even without Adam Thielen. God, that is fascinating, especially because, you know, what a lot of the the Kirk Cousins, this is, it's a lot like like the 2015 like McVay year over there. It's It's been a lot of play action and a lot of rollouts and stuff, and that's been really killing teams. So I wonder if that kind of dissuades them too. If you know they don't want to send a bunch of people, that'll just get tricked on a play action. But uh, let's let's talk predictions real quick. Um, I think the the Vikings are favored by fifteen and a half or sixteen right now, uh, as yeah. as we record this. So you know, give me a prediction in, in whatever format you like. And then the only other sure. question that I would have for you is if we're coming away on Friday and and you guys have pulled off the upset. You know, what's the story? What's the headline? You know, is it is it that, oh, Kirk Cousins still stinks in primetime? Yep. Or is it that, you know, something is better than we think in Washington? Yeah, no, it won't be something better than you think. It'll be Redskins fans or, see, I told you so, he stinks in big games. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they'll think they're a big game because it's on Thursday night football. No, no, no. It's just the schedule makers put it on Thursday night football because there was some juice in terms of the matchup. It's not a big game when you're one and six. And even if you win, you're two and six. Now, that being said, they're not going to win, meaning the Washington Redskins. Do I think they can cover 15, 15 and a half, 16? Yeah, I think so. I don't think their defense is anywhere near as bad as it was the first four or five weeks of the season. I think they're playing much better. I am concerned about some of those injuries on the back end, as we mentioned. I think some of that, again, gets negated by Thielen's loss. Uh, to me, I think the Redskins probably lose by 10 to 14 points. I'll say I'll take the Redskins plus whatever the final number is, but the Vikings win by, again, 10 to 14. I think I'm about there with you. Uh, I, I think that while, you know, it's pretty clear that you guys have some pretty glittering issues and it's going to be difficult for you to win any game on the road, especially on a short week and stuff. I mean, the Vikings are on a short week, too. And uh, the thing is, though, that like this season, the kind of M.O. has been that Kirk Cousins dices up bad teams and gets diced up by good teams. And so, you know, I mean, we're crushing the people we're supposed to crush and we're getting crushed. You know, we're not we're not proving ourselves against the good teams, I guess. Although the Lions are pretty good and they, uh, you know, we're able to keep up in a shootout there. So maybe the narrative's turning around, but it's like the litmus test, right? Like, can you beat Kirk Cousins? If not, you're a bad team. And so I guess we'll probably learn what we think we're going to learn there. Um, but I don't know. I, I see a bunch of, you know, I see that the weak spots that you guys have are the kinds of weak spots that like the Vikings aren't as well equipped to take advantage of in this matchup. You know, they don't have Adam Thielen, so they can't take advantage of, you know, not having more than one good corner. You know, they they don't have the reliability on the offensive line that Lions had a couple of good games here, but there's still lots of question marks, you know, to take advantage of that, like, that fear of blitzing. So I still think that they'll win, and I don't think that it's going to be like a nail-biter of a game or anything, but I'm, I'm probably in that 10 to 14 range in that, that Washington will, will cover, uh, but it'll be kind of a, a, a moral victory of sorts. It should be uh, a a loud and festive atmosphere, and I just want I I'll just end it like this because again I started this off by saying I'm a huge Kirk Cousins fan, and I know he's failed in a couple of big games, including the regular season finale last week uh, last year in his first uh. year with Minnesota. I, I got it. I understand. I want to see as many. Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder luxury suite box shots, <laughs> especially when Kirk Cousins is is doing something really good. And again, that that hurts the team that I cover, 
but I'm a Kirk Cousins supporter and fan, and I think the Redskins have uh, the Redskins have started five quarterbacks, six they've played since they let Kirk Cousins go out the door for what amounted to be two fourth round compensatory picks. That should tell you everything right there. So I want those guys to feel really bad when they leave U.S. Bank Stadium on Thursday night. Yeah, I think on, on the flip side, I'm excited to see all of the uh, 20, all the guys who are on the team in 2017 going up and hugging, you know, Case Keenum before and after the game. I can't wait to see all those shots where the old friends catch up because they're all still in pretty good spirits. And we're all big Case Keenum fans over here. But I will let you go and uh, think about that Nationals win. You know, it's three three more wins, and then you win a World Series, and officially nobody will care about the Washington Redskins at that point. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Appreciate you catching up me. with you. Thanks a bunch, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Locked on Vikings and Crossover Wednesday. We will be back tomorrow with a full-on Washington preview. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts or just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull. Hey, Locked on Minnesota listeners. This is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.